Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sherlisten, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sherlock. Sherlisten. 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 Oh, Benjamin, it's very good to have you back in full, clear audio after last week's what can only be described as audio debacle. But Benjamin, Sherlock, we don't have time to reprimand you for your poor audio skills because we have to look at Wonder Man, which is apparently coming. Also, there's been a bit of bad news, Benjamin. Another legend of comic books has died. We're going to have a look at Lightyear, which is not doing very well, apparently. And Miss Marvel, which the same could be said of, apparently, also. Then... We're having a look at the boys episode five, or as you say, Ben, the boys episode five. And we're going to have a look at this random collection of words you've written down. Dead End Paranormal Park. I know what all of those mean. I don't know what they mean together, but it sounds intriguing. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough. Oh, it might be. It might be. It's quite a bit on that roster, Michael. But if that wasn't enough, we're going to be taking a look at Meta. Oh, that's so Meta. That's so Meta. Part of Meta Month, Ben. Part of Meta Month here, Michael, at the podcast. What we're taking a look at is the early days of Meta in comic books and cartoons (laughs) and why this generation, millennials, and the younger generation, Generation Y, why even is it, though, are probably so messed up, Michael. Sorry, Ben, I talked during your bit, which I know is not permitted. Benjamin. How dare you. Yes. Let's start with the sad news, Benjamin. Another legend of comic books, Ben, has died at a young age. Yeah, so Tim Sale, unfortunately, has Imeha uh, Erschleinefirna, as we say here, on mm. the island, Michael. Uh, he's passed away at 64. That's 64. quite young, Ben. That's quite young, Michael. Um, it's Less than uh, us combined, Ben. Less than us combined, which is actually shocking. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite young. Because <laughs> we're both quite old at this point, Michael. Yeah, Benjamin, imagine if um, if your life had just been my life and then your life on top of that. What a disappointment it would be to die <laughs> after after that. Be. Probably shouldn't be joking in this section. Tell us more about Tim Sale, please. Tim Sale, you probably know Tim Sale. First of all, he defined a large amount of Batmaning. Mm. Mm. He... He, along with Jeff Loeb, who we're not great fans of in this podcast, but we should probably stop Loeb. making fun of <laughs> Loeb. We should probably stop making fun of co- comic creators from DC because apparently they're mm. all immersely fair now or heading in that direction. Mm. But anyway, he, alongside Jeff Loeb, illustrated uh, the Long Halloween, uh, Dark Knight, and then I can't remember the third one in that little. That little smorgasbord of, of was things. He, Dar- was he sorry. year one? He wasn't year one, was he? He ben? wasn't year one, no. He was uh, Dark Victory was the other one that he did. He also did Red and Yellow for Marvel. That was a little for- grim and gritty reimagining of Daredevil. Daredevil, that's why I was thinking of year one, Ben. That's what put me in mind of year one. Yeah, he did a little, he did a little year one for them, Michael. Whoopsie. And... <laughs> Whoopsie. Whoopsie, it's on silent now. Very good. Uh, And uh, yeah, he's kind of one of the big titans, Michael. You'd you'd bring him in for a big, dark, inky, gothic cover. Oh, yeah. Mm. That's what you'd do. And uh, And, yeah, it's uh, incredible, Ben, how how, um, how many legends of comics have have passed on in the last couple of years or last couple of weeks. Last couple of weeks, Michael, especially from DC. I'd I'd be very nervous right now. (laughs) Mm. Yeah, very upsetting, very sad. Yes, not Benjamin, great. The, 
The Long Halloween is one of the all-time classics. Uh, the Long Halloween is one of the uh, Batman story arcs. Very inspirational in the latest movie installment, The Batman. Hmm. Oh, of course. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, a large amount of it. Carmine Falcone, early Catwoman. Uh, the, uh, a Gotham City without rogues, necessarily. Far more crime-riddled and mm. slowly tilting towards the madness of rogues. Oh, very influential, Michael. Very, very influential. influential. Man, what a shame. Ben. Yes. What's next on the list? I can't uh, I can't see the thing. Uh, Michael, <coughs> come here to me. All right. What if I was to tell you... I, I, I came across a wonderful phrase this week, Michael. And the wonderful phrase was the flying brick superpower. Oh, yeah, yeah. Classic. Never, yeah. Never, never heard that before. Michael. It's been around a long time, Ben. Ben. Yeah. There's a, vid- there's a video game from the early 2000s called Freedom Force. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it before. <laughs> I don't know. Have I ever mentioned it before? No, but it's it was never one come of the, up. I've never, I've never brought it up. But it was one of the earliest games with end user customization available, just to the general public. Mm-hmm. You could make your own superheroes, basically. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's where that's where I learned all of the different kind of generic superhero names like the tank, the brute, the berserker and the flying brick. So it's flying, super strength, invulnerability, your classic kind of sometimes they have a laser eye, but not always. Not, not always. Sometimes you give them a laser eye. It's basically the equivalent of Billy Butcher at the moment in the boys. <laughs> well, Billy Butcher's not flying. He's not. Well, not yet. I don't know if we're, I don't know if we're going to see a little... Hello, we might, we might, Benjamin. He hasn't tried it yet. But, but Homelander is a fr- uh, is a classic flying brick. He's a flying prick, Michael, is what he oh, is. Oh, very good. Uh, there we go. Uh, very good. So anyway, Michael, <clears throat> imagine, if you will, yeah. way back in the day, in 1964, Michael. Oh, yeah. You're Stan Lee, and you're trying to fill out a roster, right? Okay, I'm imagining. Of okay, Avengers. I'm, lo- I'm rummaging around the office, Ben. I'm looking for ideas to steal. Uh, and what uh, you see is a brick. Yeah, yeah. And then there's a little cape off one of the action figures you've commissioned and you stick the two of them together and you bring it to Jack Kirby and you say, Jack, I've got it. Okay. And Jack says, no, we can't do that again, man. Um, yeah. <laughs> Let's freshen it up a bit. Jack is just there with a big cigar in his mouth going, oh, Christ. Yeah. Christ. Good. I'm glad that Jack Kirby sounds like Wolverine. Ben. Yeah. Yes. Are you talking about the 1964 comic book character Wonder Man? Yes, Michael. But Jack Kirby turns around and he says, "Yeah, but what if I gave him? What if I gave him the Kirby crackle?" And Stanley goes, "Oh, Jesus Christ!" Oh, yeah. um, and it's just two guys that sound like Wolverine at various stages of, <laughs> of geriatrics. Yeah, yeah. D- diminishing. But he goes, "Oh, I tell you what we'll do. I tell you what we'll do, Jack. We'll uh, we'll give him we'll give him ionic energy." Oh yeah. And, and Jack Kirby goes, "Oh, cool. That sounds really interesting. What'll that do?" And he's like, "Well, he'll be able to fly and he'll be really invulnerable and he'll be quite strong." Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll make them purple sometimes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's fucking Wonder Man. That's great, isn't it? He's uh, he's made of energy and he's purple. Yeah. So <laughs> he's such a stupid character. Um, Simon, w- yeah, he wanted to beat up Iron Man. He did. He was a villain in the beginning, like every character in Marvel. Like every character that's slowly been introduced into the Avengers roster over the years. So he was right up there with a Hawkeye or a Scarlet Witch or a bloody Black Quicksilver. Widow. A Black Widow. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's not one of the people on the Avengers team who hasn't tried to kill the other ones at some point. Yeah, especially Iron Man. Everyone just wants to punch Iron Man in the head. Oh, fucking Iron Man. So he's Simon Williams, Michael. Yes. 
Uh, and Simon Williams is is Wonder Man, and he is imbued with the power of ionic energy. He has an ionic energy field, and what that gives him, Michael, is yes. flight, immortality, yeah. virtual mm. invulnerability, which is I think I think he's basically hacking proof, uh, yeah, yeah. superhuman strength, speed, agility, stamina, and reflexes, enhanced vision and hearing, healing factor, ionic energy manipulation, power mm. recycling, electromagnetic oh. manipulation, energy oh. enhanced strike. Ooh. Size oh, alteration, shape shifting, oh self sustenance, transportation. So he's OP, Michael. It's whatever he's, you're having yourself. It's, it's whatever you're having on your Weedabix in the morning. Hmm. And Benjamin, it's interesting because you, of course, are powered by ironic energy. Yeah, where I just make glib comments and then people go, so, What'd you say? And I, I get afraid and I say, Oh, nothing. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. Ben. Yeah. <laughs> he started off in a crappy green and red suit. He did. One of the worst suits you've ever seen. He's transitioned to a leotard with a big red W on it. I don't think it's gotten much better. He doesn't, to my mind, Ben, Wonder Man doesn't have an iconic, ironically, design. I, yeah, I I think he's generic white guy who... Well, he's purple sometimes. It's kind of interesting. So Simon Williams is, he's purple sometimes. It depends on who's drawing him at the time. But... Simon Williams is an actor in the Marvel Universe, and he's actually a pacifist in more recent runs. Um, oh, yeah. He, he doesn't like being a superhero. He's against the violence that the superhuman community creates. He's like mm. if Tom Cruise got superpowers and notions. Yeah, and a couple of inches height. And a couple of inches height. Zing, got him. Got him, Ben. Tom Cruise definitely already has notions. I don't think we need to worry about him getting notions. I don't, I don't think we need to worry about that at all. But anyway, Michael, he's coming to Marvel TV. Benjamin. Yeah. You stumbled on a thing there. Tom Cruise would be a great person to play Wonder Man. If He'd be he was a great big. Wonder Man. Yeah, no, I, I nailed it. Uh, I, I, shame, shame that will never happen. <laughs> never ever happen. So naturally, Michael, everybody is calling for Nathan Fillion to be cast in the role. Nathan, fifty-five-year-old uh, Nathan Fillion. I think Nathan Fillion's probably past his prime, Michael. I, I don't know if they could. I don't know if they could get him in and then make it so that Simon Williams is one of the early superhero experiments. And he's oh, do it in the past. Just a bit down on his look now. I don't know. They're on everything else, Michael. Why not? Just stick it in the continuity wherever you want, Benjamin. Ben. Yes. The fans have wanted Nathan Fillion to be Wonder Man for years. Yes, decades, in fact. To the point that he's... Be- he- wasn't he in a couple of um, deleted scenes from Guardians of the Galaxy 2 as Simon Williams? I think he might have been, but I can't remember, Michael. I'm pretty sure he was. But, of course, in this continuity, Ben, Simon Williams doesn't necessarily have to be Wonder Man, does he? It doesn't at all because, well, Simon Williams, Michael, is going to cause a lot of problems for continuity because uh, we already have the Vision and we already have the Scarlet Witch. And in the comics, yes. Scarlet Witch is very much in love with Simon Williams. Ah, uh, yeah. But Ben. Yes. It's, it's then Simon Williams' brain patterns that go into, into Ultron. Into, into Ultron and then eventually... No, no sorry, not into Ultron, Vizion, into Vision. Vision. Yeah, into, into Vision. And they go into Vision. Um, and she falls in love with the robot because, you know, brain patterns, that's all a human is. So once you've got brain a set of brain exactly. patterns, we're, we're good to go. Mm. But then, Michael, he comes back. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, ben. Yes. But they've already massively retconned Vision, uh, Ultron... Ultron was created by Tony Stark instead of Ant-Man in this. So, yeah, like, what's, what's going on there, It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. That Continuity doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't you can matter. do whatever you want, Ben. You can do whatever you want. Who do you want to play Wonder Man, Ben? Uh, well, funnily enough, I think Henry Cavill would be, like, the perfect physical match for that Wonder Woman. very good, wouldn't it? <laughs> He's got that big, broad chest and stuff like that. Uh, but I think you need a, a character with some serious comedic chops, Michael. Uh, do you know who'd be a good little meta throw-in? 
Matt Bomer. No, Tom Wellington. Matt Bomber would be a great Wonder Man, though. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tom Wellington from Smallville. There'd be a nice little. There'd be a few layers there that you could play with. <laughs> I uh, thought you were doing a joke first, but his name's not Tom Wellington. What's his name? <laughs> Tom Welling. Tom Welling. Tom Wellington. Well, I, I prefer Tom Wellington. I'm imagining him in a little pair of boots. Yeah, he's got a little pair of boots on. He's got, I'm off to. Yeah. I'm off to carry the show Smallville on my shoulders. Excuse me. Nine and a half years. Benjamin, yeah. that'd be a good shout, wouldn't it? He's not a great actor, though. He's not, no. That'll take it away. Who would you have playing? He's a bit of a plank. I'd like Matt Bomer, but Matt Bomer has already done a kind of man-made out of ironic energy. Yeah, but I think he could do it again, because I don't think Doom Patrol is part of uh, the Marvel continuity, thankfully. <laughs> it's not. So. No, it isn't. It's not. But, I mean, how many times do you want one person to play a super strong flying man made out of ironic energy? Uh, good question. Yeah, Once yeah, or yeah, twice, yeah. I suppose. Once or twice. Um, you know who else would be good, Ben? You Go know who'd be good? He won't do it, obviously, because he's, he's busy and he's got stuff going on. But um, the guy from Jack Reacher, what's his name? Oh, who also played Aquaman. Aquaman in- he played <laughs> Aquaman and he played Hawk and Dove in, in Teen Titans. He was, the, also, um, he was also one of the Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles. Yeah, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But yeah, 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 yeah. He'd be good. He'd be good at it. We should probably get his name before we move on. Alan Richardson. Alan Richardson. Uh, Alan Richardson. Good man. He'd be great. Yeah. I'd watch yeah. that. He'd be very good. Um, I think it's probably going to be a comedy series, Michael. I think it's probably going to be quite funny. But you know what, Michael? We've spent far too much time on Wonder Man. That's taken up a oh, ridiculous yeah. amount of our runtime. Too much Wonder Man. <laughs> too much I've got Wonder a little Wonder Man, Man action figure here, Ben. I'll show you. Um, <laughs> what's, what's next on the running order? I can't speaking, see it. Speaking of Marvel TV shows that we're not very excited for, have you seen Miss Marvel <laughs> episode Benjamin. two? I have seen Miss Marvel episode two, and I tell you what, it's not for me. It's not for That's you. Why not, is that now? Tell me more. Because because Ben, it's just not aimed at me. It's um, not aimed at you. I'm going to watch every bloody episode of it. Yes, because you're a Marvel completist. Because I'm a Marvel completist, Ben. I've seen every episode, Ben, of bloody uh, my dad's the devil. What was that called? Hellstrom. Hellstrom. Yeah. And that doesn't even know if it's in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> my my um, dad's the, my dad's the devil is a much better um, <laughs> name for that much show than what it goes. Benjamin, um, look, it's very, it's beautifully produced. It is. It's probably one of the strongest produced shows that I've seen from Marvel. It's a visual, it's a visual feast, Ben. Yes. But it's not better than any of the other teen shows that I've sat through because of my Marvel completism fetish. It's not better than Cloak and Dagger. It's not better than uh, The Runaways. Yes, you know, it's still things that don't speak to me. Because it's not aimed at you, Michael. Yeah, exactly, Ben. So, episode two is kind of boring, to be honest, in my opinion. All right, go on, um, tell me more. So, um, her friend is running for head of the mosque, and that's important because she's going to be the first girl who tries to do it. And um, she's going on a date with a boy. Oh. And uh, she's trying to practice her powers. And that's pretty much it. That's the episode. Yeah, there's not a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's not a lot going on in it, Michael. It, yeah, yeah. I I think it's you know it's supposed to be teen problems for teen people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ben, I can't relate to them. You can't relate to them, Michael, because you've got real problems for real people. <laughs> yeah. oh, we don't need to talk about that. I got a cream. <laughs> but Ben, I, I I don't think I honestly related to teen problems for teen people when I was myself a teen. Anyway, I was a very awkward teen and stayed away from other teens. Mm. Exactly, Ben. Me too. Like, my biggest problem in when I was a teen was, how in the hell do you beat Emerald Weapon? Um, I, didn't ha- I didn't even have that problem, Michael. <laughs> yeah, no. No, I know. My you problem too, was, too. how do you get a comb through a giant bushel of hair? Um, yeah, yeah. The answer mm. is you don't. I have several comb parts lost in that hair. 
Yeah, they're still there to this day. Little mm-hmm. colonies on them. Ben. Yeah. It's um. It's but but I'm not saying it's not good. It, it is. It's quite clearly good. It's quite clearly good. It's well written. It's well acted. It's well put together. Uh, I I don't know. If I would say it's well acted, top get, to bottom. Get out of um, here. Her mother is incredible. The, her mo- her mother is very ever. good. Um, but the the whole central mystery of it, it just doesn't it doesn't float my boat, Ben. But obviously, I'm going to watch every last episode of it. But Ben, the real sad thing is, apparently, most people are feeling this way because it is by far the least watched Disney Plus Marvel show. That's a bit sad, isn't it? It I could be reading this wrong, Ben, and I may be, in fact, because I don't really get how uh, they how they compile this data but it looks like it's getting about 30% of the viewers of the other shows that's low it's very low that's it's low very very low um, does does Marvel come here to me here's, here's a question for you do you think Marvel on. pulls in a young demographic I don't think they do I think they pull in long time comic book fans a lot of the time well that's a very good question and the other thing that I would kind of suggest is happening here is Marvel is already popular with young people because young people want to watch the same things as adults. Yes. So the demographic of young people who want to watch specifically things aimed at young people is, by definition, smaller than the population of young people. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. You know what I mean? So it's not like, Ben, we go to Comic-Cons and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. the world is full of 15, 16, 17, 18-year-olds who are obsessed with Loki and Winter Soldier and Bucky and yeah. that's the same person. And <laughs> all of those, I would say that that generation has received the, the Disney shows so far better than we have. Yeah, and then more to the point, why would you then lower lower the or move the goalpost or try to pitch to a, a lower demographic because they're well, already doing because it. Well, I suppose, Ben, our, their older fans are going to age out of it. We're already starting to age out of it, at least in terms of, I think, what Marvel is aiming at. Yes, all right, fair enough. You know what I mean? I think we're only a couple of years away from Marvel not really caring what our age group thinks. I hope so. It's it's exhausting helping Although, Marvel ben, guide the ship. It's... <laughs> this bloody podcast is because Marvel has a gun to our heads. Um, the, interestingly, Ben, the, the the funny thing about it this week, and you know, Ben, I I watch probably about twenty percent of my YouTube content is right wing lunatics. Um, so that don't so think that you're supposed to admit that on the podcast. No, no, it is. But about twenty percent of my contact, about twenty percent is uh, left wing lunatics as well. Oh, good. Um, because I like to balance out my lunatics. But the right-wing lunatics think think they're winning a cultural battle now. I don't think they are. But there is potentially something to be said for the fact that Top Gun 2, the movie aimed at 45-year-old middle-class white people, is going to make a billion dollars. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, like the right-wing lunatics, Ben, obviously are saying, this is the market. This is who buys cinema tickets. You're ignoring us. Are in they favor, though? <laughs> in favor, yeah, and I would say no, they're absolutely not. Don't be ridiculous. But um, Hollywood are great at nothing if not learning a simple lesson. So I wouldn't be surprised if they go, oh, we better bring Captain America and Iron Man back. I, to appeal, appeal to those 45-year-old white middle-class people. 
I, I think, Michael, there's... there's uh, I saw some interviews this week as a result of Lightyear. Chris Evans is suddenly very uh, very nostalgic about his time as, as America's captain. As captain, the old Captain A. Benjamin. Yeah, and he's been dropping hints to be like, oh, it'll take a lot for me to come back. Take, and I was like, hang on. Hold, a lot hold, of money did he mean hold, hold the fucking phone here now what's mm. what's that yeah. Christopher hmm? shall we move on to light here then uh, well we're just taking a look at, at what's happening with light year Michael because uh, apparently it's being review bombed to fuck uh, well you say that also but also Benjamin it seems to be double bombing because it also seems to be bombing at the box office oh no not a box office bomb it seems like it's a box office flop Ben and I tell you can I tell you a bit about him? Um, Ben, you love hearing about the numbers. Do you want to hear about the numbers? I fucking would love it to hear about the numbers. You'd love to hear about the numbers. Benjamin. Yeah. There are two... Well, there's one good film and one fucking dreadful film slash mediocre film currently tearing up the box office. Is that a dinosaur reference? It's a dinosaur reference. Very ben. good. So the two, the two biggest hits of the year are Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. As we've already discussed. Yeah. Aimed, aimed at people in the 35 to 55 year old age bracket and uh, Jurassic Park what's going on there's dinosaurs everywhere um, aimed at who fucking knows <laughs> who knows who that's aimed at but I would say broadly the same demographic to be honest because they're bringing back Alan Grant they're bringing back um, whoever Laura Dern played Ellie Sadler they're bringing back I, I Ian Malcolm and it's a shit film Ben apparently apparently but it's very bad tearing up the box office and the cinemas Ben the cinemas were bloody erect with excitement. They really thought this was going to be the salvation of cinema. They thought this was going to be their year, Ben, because they thought for the first time in nearly a decade, they were going to have three billion dollar movies playing throughout the summer. And they were going to be Top Gun Maverick, Jurassic yes. World, uh, the dinosaurs are out and Lightyear. Because yeah. Lightyear is a Pixar film about a known property with a superstar A-list voice cast and it's absolutely bombed. Oh, So what's going on, Ben? I, I think people are just saturated, Michael. Is it a saturated market? Is it, you know, has streaming dominated? Are people more likely to say, oh, do you want to go out to the cinema and, and sit with a bunch of other people just post-pandemic? Do you want to... Do you want to pay a lot of money for some popcorn and some fizz? Or do you want to just sit at home watching Netflix? But um, but as I just said, though, Top Gun Maverick and Jurassic World are absolutely hammering it. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. They're absolutely ah. hammering it, Ben. They're doing fucking gangbusters. I missed your question. I'm sorry. So what's going on with Lightyear is what I'm saying. Why has Lightyear failed to live up to the other two? Because it's animated, I guess. No, come on. Animated films are often billion dollar films. It's great, it's great for kids, but it's in terms of if you're if you're looking at the competing nostalgia value of Jurassic Park and mm. Top Gun, right? Yes. Those and are Toy Story. Uh, those are formative um, yeah, but hang on. There's a big difference between Jurassic Park and Top Gun in terms of nostalgia cinema for a certain demographic. Toy Story was a kids film at the beginning. Jurassic Park and Top Gun were adult films that everybody kind of snuck into saw and do other things. But I think the other thing that's probably causing a kerfuffle, Michael. Yes, go on. Is the fact that there's a same sex scene. I don't know, Ben. I I haven't seen I haven't seen any of these films actually, for whatever reason. But does that matter? 
it seems to they are being they are being review bombed now Michael this could be a smokescreen by Disney to cover up the fact that their film isn't doing very well <laughs> I, I don't know I think you've been on some of those uh, those right wing websites man. well you sent me all those links I left my I left my computer signed in in your house <laughs> But I don't know, Michael. It's 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 hard to tell. But I would hazard a guess. Toy Story is the thing that we all saw as kids, um, yeah. and it, it wasn't really the. I think Toy Story appeals to a broad swathe of people, whereas I think Top Gun and Jurassic Park are formative childhood things. Like you'll hear it on loads of different podcasts. You know, what was the first movie you remember seeing? A lot of people say Jurassic Park. Yeah, Jurassic Park. You know, a lot of people say Toy Top Story. Gun, this kind of thing. No, they don't. No, they don't. Nobody says Top Gun. <laughs> but there's a lot <laughs> of people. Whose first movie was Top Gun, where Tom Cruise follows a lady into a women's bathroom like a fucking sexual predator? Yeah. And she's right. like, oh, yeah, I'm into it. I'm into this short creepy guy following me into the fucking bathroom love it the intensity it's all I've ever Th- wanted while I'm pooping thanks for bringing me to this film mum and dad <laughs> alright fair enough but I think there's there's an America centric element to Top Gun yeah yeah that people are like yeah America fuck yeah because a lot yeah, of people yeah. would take point that, to Iran yeah take that Iran <laughs> um, very irrelevant um, and then I don't I don't know what the appeal of Jurassic Park is I honestly can't understand it Michael I was walking through dinosaurs. I was walking through the city centre the other day Michael and I mm. happened to gaze up at the the posters on a well known cinema in the city centre which we won't name C- until they pay Cineworld. us yeah, oh, Cineworld oh fuck you there goes, there goes oh, our they marketing pay you? deal yeah. oh they very good me. But I happened to look up at the posters, Michael, and they're the worst designed posters I've ever seen. They're stills from the movie. Yeah, yeah. With various dinosaurs inserted in them to generate interest. But the eye lines are all wrong. And the dimensions mm. of the dinosaurs that they photoshopped in are all wrong. So the balance is all off. The perspective is shifted. It was awful. The art of the cinema poster, Ben, has taken a real hit. We oh. should do an episode on that someday. It's taken a real knock, Michael. Did we ever do an episode on cinema posters? We should. We should. I mean, it's yeah, it's a fascinating it's a fascinating thing. We're probably gonna have to do a video episode, Michael, because that's a very visual medium. We can just describe it poorly, Ben. The listeners will love that. <laughs> Benjamin, yeah. I actually think you're wrong. To be honest, I don't think that's what it is. I don't think it's about. I don't think it's about not having Tim Allen. I don't think it's about the gay kiss. I don't think it's any of the things that the right wing lunatics think it is. Right. I just think it's that it's confused people. I think for people who are pop culture savvy, they get it. Yeah. Like, okay, it's uh, it's the movie that Toy Story was based on. But I think the vast majority of people are just looking at it and going, is that, is that supposed to be Buzz Lightyear? Is this a, is that a, is that a, is that a serious Toy Story reboot? What? It's a grim that, and gritty reboot. What, is this a grim and gritty reboot of Toy Story? I don't want to see that. Gay kiss or no. Yeah. Uh, Maybe you're right, yeah, Michael. Yeah. I don't know. We're going to have to start doing Vox Pops or something. What are the review bombers saying, Ben? Is it the gay kiss they don't like or is it's, it the not casting lunatic Tim Allen? It's it's largely around the the, the element of the gay kiss. They're not, they're not mm. a fan. They don't believe it should be in kids' movies. Um, mm. And and that that kind of thing. Inappropriate material for the young'uns. Oh, I see, Benjamin. Is that the Disney way? Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Oh, maybe that. Well, that could be a good future episode. Num, 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 num. Michael, it's very interesting that you brought up the gay kiss there, Michael, because this week... Yes, I watched a brand Uh-oh. this <laughs> um, this week. I watched a brand new cartoon on Netflix. 
Oh, okay. I thought you were going to ask me for a big kiss. Uh, no, I'm all right, thanks. I'm all right, okay, thanks. Um, I, I think that would deeply upset several people that we know. Um, so, Michael, this week I watched Dead End Paranormal Park on Netflix. It's brand new and dropped. And, Michael, it's a very interesting show. Benjamin, I like the title. Yeah, Dead End Paranormal Park. So, imagine, Michael, that you had Gravity Falls. I'm always imagining that. But this time it's in a theme park. Oh yeah, and the the elements that we've decided to put into our potion this time, Michael, are a little bit of the sweet weird that we were talking about. Oh yeah, I'm familiar with the concept. Last week, yeah, you can check out that episode from last week if you're not. A little bit of that, a little yeah. bit, a, a big old heaping dose of the gay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a big old heap of that, and then uh, kind of a classic little demon, spooky, haunty stuff. So I would say oh, there right. are there are some horror elements to this, Michael, that are a little bit darker than Gravity Falls. Okay. And yet it's still kind of a fun buddy comedy thing. Are they buddies and in love? Uh, Ah, well, this is where it gets very interesting, Michael. So what we've got as our cast of characters, our central characters are four things. Uh, Number one, we have Barney, who is a transgender female to male character. Okay. We have Norma, who is... I think it's strongly hinted at that is autistic and suffers from crippling anxiety. Oh, Benjamin, we're getting the full gamut here. We're, get, we're getting the full gamut here, Michael, and this is what makes it very interesting. Uh, we have Pugsley, a talking pug. Oh, yeah. People uh, love them. And you'll have to watch and see how that happens. And then we have Courtney, who's a female demon from hell. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've met a few of those. And it's a, <laughs> it's a comedy based around this kind of thing. And the central mystery is um, it's, it's all set in Phoenix Park, which is a... A theme show, uh, which is a, a park based based on a famous Hollywood icon. A bit like Dolly Parton, but if Dolly oh, yeah, Parton okay. was a drag queen. Yeah, and yeah. I suppose the is central... Is Dolly Parton not a drag queen? Uh, no, she's not, shockingly. Oh my God. Um, Fuck, that's news to me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, Michael, in this park, the, the conceit that you have to take wholeheartedly is everybody's possibly gay. Okay, right. Right. So the conceit here is, Michael, what would it be like if we had a world set um, in a completely gay space, but it wasn't referenced all the time? And I think this is what makes it kind of interesting to me. All right, go on. I was watching this show, Michael, and I said, oh, sweet Jesus, they've just made Steven Universe with Gravity Falls, and the message is, it's okay to be gay. Okay. And I went, yeah, that's grand. Fair enough. It's Pride Month. It's a good time to release that. Um, that makes a lot of sense. And I thought it was going to be another kind of middle finger, like Q-Force. I don't know if you saw the horrific Q-Force, Michael. I didn't see. I've never uh, seen or heard of Q-Force. Uh, you don't need to look it up, Michael. The entire gay community did not partake in it either. It's an incredibly offensive attempt at, like, a gay spy team animation very bad oh, that sounds fabulous um no well you see that's 90 percent of the jokes is exactly <laughs> what you've just said yeah, yeah. which that's is why the gay community went uh, fuck no <laughs> i was doing an irony then but in this, in this particular case i was uh, using my ironic energy ben you're using your ironic energy michael but in this case uh, dead end paranormal park is actually a very sweet and balanced cartoon that doesn't kind of hyper focus on different aspects yes there are characters that find themselves in romantic situations and yes there's the awkwardness of being a teen going through different things but they're treated as perfectly regular issues michael um 
there are some very sweet heartwarming moments in it. It's quite funny in places. There are some lines that throw away in in a perfectly handy way. It's it's a little bit weak compared to the likes of Gravity Falls. Gravity Falls is a lightning in a bottle show, Michael, as we know. Um, Benjamin. I, yes. Are there any middle class 55-year-old white men in it? There are not. Well, then I don't want, I don't care to see it, Ben. <laughs> you don't care for it. But it's it's another kind of success story for online comics and things, Michael, because it's based on a webcomic by a guy called Hamish Steele. That name rings a bell. Uh, yeah, so he, he does this kind of thing. Uh, he makes these kinds of wholesome webcomics, fan art, this kind of thing. Uh, back in the Tumblr days, Michael. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, um, and he's gotten this onto TV. There are some big names um, in there, Michael. Alan Cummings' voice is one of the characters. Um, he was Nightcrawler. He was Nightcrawler. Um, and it's a, it's a very enjoyable show, Michael. It's it's worth a little watch. It's a good background TV show. Oh, yeah, okay. So it's out. I'll roll over it. And they've done it intentionally, I think, for uh, Pride Month, obviously. it's It's been all very importantly timed. But uh, it's a good L show. Give it an L watch. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of representation, go on. Um, have you seen the latest episode of The Boys? <laughs> Where I'm represented by a lot of white men, yes. Yes, you're represented by the character Blue Hawk, Ben. Blue Hawk, that's that's me. It's the that's big and an old the... police worshipper. Yeah. That's you down to the ground, Benjamin. Benjamin. Yeah. One of the things I really love about The Boys is it, it and you know, it, again, this is a, it's an American product about American culture, so... Let's, as Irish people, not get, get too caught up in this divide. But I like that it takes swipes at both sides of the American political divide. Yeah, it's, it, they, it's, it's unmerciful in its targeting of any kind of extremist view. Uh, or just any sort of view. I hope you don't have any views. Uh, what's that, an opinion? Get fucked. I hope you don't. Uh, Benjamin, they took a big swing at hell the old OnlyFans this week. They did. <laughs> <laughs> that was a... Uh, Seth Rogen, Ben, little surprise cameo from Seth Rogen. He has absolutely no no qualms about portraying himself as an absolutely unrepentant Creep. serial masturbator. <laughs> like so it makes me think, Ben, what is Seth Rogen prop doing now? He's probably having a big wank. I, I think Seth Rogen only produces TV shows so as to get a small cameo where he serially masturbates. Yeah, just nonstop, Ben. I think that's I think that's Seth Rogen's vibe. Yeah. Benjamin. Yeah. Something I notice a little, obviously there's a lot of Thai crossover between Supernatural and The Boys. Tons. But I, I only, it only really dawned on me this week that uh, Bobby Singer's name is yeah. Bobby Singer in both shows. I, and it I, really, saw, yeah, I was fascinated It really dawned this. on me when we saw Jensen Ackles looking at the poster. Yeah, and it's, it's done 100% intentionally um, because as we've discussed before, Michael, the producer of this show was the producer of Supernatural. Mm. Uh, Eric Kripke. Um it, it's so weird. Such a weird little what Easter a weird egg thing to, do. to throw in there. Yeah, Robert hmm. Singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, not even Bobby Singer. Senator Robert. Senator Robert Senator, Singer. Very interesting. Yeah, very clever. Michael, do you know what I found out on the horrific uh, realms of Twitter this week? Do you remember in episode one of the current season of The Boys, we saw a man jump inside the body of another man through his penis? He went up his penis, yeah. Michael, that was a practical set. <laughs> they they, they bi- made a penis they, tunnel. They, they built a giant head of a penis. Oh, um, and it was practically done. That's incredible. That is incredible news. <laughs> I will send you the picture after this of the set. It's awful. That is absolutely incredible news, Benjamin. I would like to purchase that and replace my front door with a big penis tunnel. <laughs> 
no one would visit. That was a practical set I found out this week. And I was just like, oh my God. How's, uh, <laughs> hey son, how's your dreams as a set designer in Hollywood going? Oh, fine, ma'am. It's like, what are you working on at the minute? Don't ask, ma'am. It's fine. <laughs> big, big knob end. It's a big knob end. <laughs> it's a big That's... knob end. Mm. But come here to me, Michael. Uh, let's get into the meat and potatoes here. You mentioned the little OnlyFans jibe. The Crimson Countess was back. Not for very long. Not for very long, Michael. Uh, we got a much better look at Jensen Ackles as Soldier Boy. We got a, a, a much more in-depth look at the... What were they called, Michael? The team that they were Payback? on together? Payback, yeah. So we got a, a mm. much deeper look. And things were, were not all what they seemed, Michael, which we kind of knew, because nothing in the boys' world is... Yeah. Uh, you know, no superhero narrative is the real deal in the universe in the of boys. the boys'. Uh, but, but yeah, they're not really stretching Jensen Ackles' acting muscles, are they? They don't have to, Michael. <laughs> I mean, Gen- I, either one of us could have played that character. Jensen Ackles is an addition. I might play him at Comic Con, Michael. I'm not sure. It could oh, work. very good. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's get on it. Uh, Jensen Ackles, Michael, does not have to. He's bringing pop culture currency to the table, just by uh, being himself and getting the supernaturalites in. Hmm. If they weren't already. If they weren't already, which they probably were, let's be honest. But they're they're really involved now. I think we might see it a bit more. We got a classic supernatural close-up on Jensen Ackles' face with a quick tear in this episode. Um, if you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen, because it was only out on Friday, uh, spoilers from this point on. Oh, we've already spoiled quite a lot of it. Well, we haven't really told. We just said not for well, very long. But I mean, that was... Yeah, anyway. Because yeah, she gets killed. There's a big spoiler here. Crimson Kansas gets killed in the middle of a... Well, not in the middle of an OnlyFans show, but basically towards the end of an OnlyFans show. And Butcher crosses a big old line this episode, Michael. Benjamin. Yeah. Did you think that the whole point of that scene was that that camera is still on? Or maybe. Maybe. Uh, is that, was that the point? Was that why uh, Seth Rogen inserted himself as in as a big wanker? I did that. It was just a real weird, funny <laughs> just, moment. Just wanted to put himself in as a weird. It, funny it could moment. be a really interesting plot point, though. Benjamin. Yes. Here's the thing, right? Just this is just scattershot thoughts from my head. Jensen Ackles is surprisingly tall. He's very tall. Yeah. He's he's mentioned this in Comic Cons, Michael. He says everybody thinks I'm short because I play next to Jared Padalecki, who is like six nine, um, yeah. and <laughs> and everybody thinks freak. I'm short, um, <laughs> but he's not. He's actually a very large man. He's as big as Carl Urban. He's as big as Carl Urban. He's a big man. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, so it's it's a real. Sh- Maybe that's why he took the gig, Michael. He's like, I can finally play next to someone who doesn't make me look short. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely incredible, Ben. I'm glad I've seen that before we eventually meet Jensen Ackles at a Comic-Con or something. And I'm like, holy shit, he's big. Holy fuck, he's big. Um, yeah, no, he's, he's a big man. Uh, we got a few other things in this episode, Michael, that were pretty interesting. Uh, we saw bloody... Uh, we have the, the Huey Starlight fallout. We have Huey is a junkie. Uh, as he's a, a junkie as now. Arc. Yeah, he's, yep. he's, into, he's into the superpowers. We saw... Mm. A little bit of Homelander unraveling as he realizes that he's an incompetent white man at the head of a big business organization. It, it was a, it was an interesting episode, Michael. I suppose the most interesting thing is poor El Frenchy got snatched. Um, was it? Was that the most interesting thing? Karen Fukuyama gets her voice back. There's a weird dance number. I don't think that happened, Ben. Uh, no, it did. Yeah. No, it didn't. It was in her mind. No, no. She got her voice back. She can speak. She can't sing. She can speak. No, I don't think she can. Yeah, she said can. That's why he goes, he goes out to get a doctor and get her a coffee after they have a smooch because she can talk. It's a whole thing oh, that actually happened. 
Did it? Did that bit happen? The musical part didn't happen, but that bit happened. She has her voice back because her powers are gone. Um, oh, so it turns out that Jensen Ackles was the weapon all along. Yeah, yeah, he was. Ben- Benjamin, yeah. was the biggest thing not that Queen Maeve got snatched? Oh, Queen Maeve got snatched. I forgot. There's a lot of snatching going on. Everyone's getting snatched up. Everyone's getting snatched up. Everybody. Absolutely everybody getting snatched up. Yeah. Um, yeah, Ben, I think this uh, it's leading to a big showdown this season. Is it? Is it? Are we on the? Are we on the finale already? Is it? Are we only getting one more episode? No, I think it's usually. Is it eight? Ten? Is it ten? I think it's usually ten, isn't it? I'm not sure, Michael. I'm not sure. I'll check while you spin your wheels. Well, I tell you what, I did find out this week, Michael, is that the internet found out that the boys is based on a comic franchise. (laughs) (laughs) And oh boy, Michael, are they not happy? Um, I I have been inundated on TikTok this week with videos of people going, "Hey." You know when you find out that something is based on a franchise and you want to be a good fan and you want to go back and read the source material so that you have a better understanding? Don't do that with the boys. Um, <laughs> and the the boys comic is getting fucking slated online. People are like, this is one of the worst comics I've ever read. It's so mean. It's awful. Um, it doesn't make any sense. The characters are inexplicably ultra homophobic and like generation y is discovering that it's based on a comic and they're just like oh no no and they've realized what you and i have long held as an opinion michael is that the boys comic and garth ennis are no fucking good Um, i do not like it i do you you never liked it michael and i have i have obviously grown up i see for me the boys was a weird edgelord formative thing when i was 15 where i was like oh this is so different this is so mad and then the more you read it you're just like this is fucking awful bit gross Uh, i i i would donate them to a charity shop michael but i'd be afraid that they'd put me on a watch list yeah or read them or read them (laughs) that's even worse someone might read them benjamin next week is the the big episode the kind of next week is the make or break for the boys in my opinion go on tell me more well ben it, you've read the boys i have yeah um and I'll, I'll need to say no more than this but you will probably need to say a little bit more but next week's episode ben is called hero gas oh fuck no <laughs> ben tell the listeners what that means yeah so ladies and gentlemen look yes i'm listening Herogasm is, I suppose, the culmination of the strange philosophy or worldview that Garth Ennis created for the boys. So, in the boys, it's very, very simple. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. And when we look at that phrase, Michael, we think in much grander terms than the boys actually depicts. We think, oh, yeah, if you were to have power in the government, you know, you'd, you'd run the country the way you wanted. Or, you know, if you had too much power over people, you'd abuse it. In this case, Michael, if you had too much power, you'd be an egomaniacal dickhead who was into mm-hmm. fucking fighting and snorting things up your nose. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. And then Garth Ennis took that a step further by making it seem that normal drugs and things don't actually work on... You have to go extreme. On, so you have to go extreme and you have to come up with new ways to get high or new ways to fuck people or... and. Michael, this all came to a head in volume six of The Boys, which was uh, suitably titled Herogasm. Yes. And it's basically a giant sex fest that superheroes attend every year. Mm. And the joy... That Garth Ennis and Derek Robertson, the artist of the comic, seem to take in depicting these disgusting scenes, Michael. 
Mm. Very unpleasant. Very unpleasant. Like, there are some really fucked up moments in it, Michael. We we learn how certain superheroes, like, fuck women to death, and other superheroes drop women from a height. Other superheroes are into kids. Like, it's really messed up, Michael. We learn how superheroes take drugs. One of the drugs is made out of Queen Maeve's vaginal mucus. Mm. Uh, it's disgusting. Um, <laughs> it's awful. And... This that, that's next week's episode, Michael. And many of the stars have already come forward and said we are a little bit scarred from filming that episode. So I don't know what the fuck we're in for next week, Michael. Are we, are we jumping think, the shark? I don't know. Are we I don't jumping know. the I mean, whale? As it is more uh, appropriate for the boys. Um, I've read a few interviews with Jensen Ackles, with your mate Jensen Ackles, surprisingly tall man, Jensen Ackles. Ben, yes, and I don't think they asked him to do anywhere near some of the stuff that is in the comics. I hope not. So I think it's going to be much, much, much tamer. I think it's basically going to be... There's probably going to be lots of nudity in fucking Ben um, by background characters. Yeah, there's going to be a few blurry, out-of-focus shots. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. Benjamin, I saw Sonic 2 this week, apropos of nothing. It's a pile of shit. Oh, what? One of the worst films I've ever seen. Where did, that, where did that come from? Benjamin, I just saw, it's on uh, streaming. It's come out on streaming this week. All right. Why? And, uh, why is it so bad? It's just dreadful, Ben. It's just a dreadful, dreadful film. It's um, terrible misuse of characters. They think saying one word is a joke. They think like they they seem to think like saying, "Oh no, Winter Soldier's back." They seem to think that's a joke oh. because because Knuckles is chasing him. Yeah, you know it's it's oh, it's dreadful. Really? Um, someone someone says at one stage, um. Someone says at one stage, the echidnas and the elves have been fighting each other for ages. And then another character says, like Vin Diesel and The Rock. Oh, no. Oh, my God. Way to age your film. Uh, it's just instant dating. It, it, uh, instant dating you have a film. Dreadful film, Ben. There's a bizarre wedding scene in the middle of it. It's two hours long. Why is it two hours long? What happened to the hour and a half movie, Michael? Bring it back. Uh, Bring it back, Brian. Bring it back, like the Babadook. I want a ninety-minute movie. The Babadook, Ben. Give me ninety-minute movies back. We saw a ninety-minute movie recently that was quite bad, and I've forgotten what it was. Oh, uh, I, I don't know, Michael. There's so many. Morbius. More. Ah, uh, it was Morbius. Morbius is only ninety minutes. Hashtag it's Morbin time. Hashtag Morbin time. I, hashtag. Uh, I give it about three months later. before it's hashtag it's light year in time. <laughs> I can't see Lightyear getting becoming as much of a meme because I don't think it's going to be bad. Okay. It's probably fine. It's probably fine. That's what they said about Lightyear, Ben. That's what they said. It's probably fine. What every, what every filmmaker dreams of hearing about their film, uh, it's, it's, mm. it's probably fine. It's at this point that I would usually hurry Ben along to the next segment, listeners, because, as you know, we're getting close to the end of the episode. <laughs> Ben, do you want to move us along there? Oh, yeah, cool. Amazing. Um, Michael, that was very meta of you, Michael. Thank you very a little, much. A little aside to the audience there. Michael, we decided to take a look at, at all the meta things that are happening. I, I came up with this idea primarily, Michael, because of the upcoming She-Hulk series on Disney+. Mm. Plus. Um, and I think a lot of the people that are probably experiencing She-Hulk went, oh, yeah, okay, it's a big, sexy, green version of the Hulk. Um, and I'm sure many people are already arguing uh, I think you'll find the Hulk is already big green and sexy uh, but for a lot of people they were like okay it's a weird um, 
kind of fetish fantasy thing where it's just a big female Hulk. And, Michael, Hmm. they'd be a little bit right. (laughs) A little bit right, then. (laughs) They'd be a little bit right. But one of the things that I think She-Hulk doesn't get enough credit for, unless you're in the comic book community, is the 1995, uh, sorry, the 1985 run with John Byrne. So he was doing a sexy She-Hulk. In 1985, Michael, we got this sensational She-Hulk. And Mm. the world was kind of introduced in full uh, to Jennifer Walters. Yes. Now, the character originally debuted in 1980, Michael. Um, But she was just a Lady Hulk. And she was just a Lady Hulk. And everyone went, all right, okay. Um, I mean, that's cool. Good, Good for her. And it was fine. She got angry sometimes. She was drawn a bit sexy. She had a very tight leotard on a lot of the time. She kind of had a classic superhero costume for a while. And then Michael John Byrne got his hands on her in 1985. Not literally, because she's a fictional character. A fictional character, yeah. Yeah. So she had done a little stint with the Fantastic Four, and then she came back. And John Byrne said, well, do you know what? I mean, this is great and all, but I'm, I'm sure we could do more with this character. So She-Hulk... Jennifer Walters is a, a lawyer, mm-hmm. and she spends a lot more time in her She-Hulk form than she does in her human form. In fact, what John Byrne did was kind of get rid of her Jennifer Walters form and just kept her as the She-Hulk. Pretty much all the time. So that was the first step. Um, and then, Michael, he started to basically just tear the fourth wall apart. Mm. And turn She-Hulk into a character that understood that she was in... A comic book. What a new and compelling idea. I mean, not as new as you would think, Michael, but just as in describing the inspiration for this episode, that's what it was. But you can take a very quick look, Michael, just for, for any of the listeners that are listening right now, go to mm. Google Images and type in the Sensational She-Hulk covers and you'll get a lot oh, of the that's covers. that's really started. Yeah, so a lot of that um, kind of revealed... Jennifer Walters directly addressing the people that were looking at her comic cover. Um, mm. So I have one in my hand here, Michael, and it's it's, it's very sensational, Michael. Look at that. Oh, my God. Look at what that. What a sexy She-Hulk. What a sexy She-Hulk. What's she saying, Ben? Uh, so she's saying, okay, now this is your second chance. If you don't buy my book this time, I'm going to come to your house and rip up all of yours. Now, Michael. Oh, no. Several thousand comic book fans got semi-erect when they read that on the cover uh, once upon a time. <laughs> they were like, oh, my. Oh my! Oh, uh, well, I, oh please, she Hulk. <laughs> I might not buy it then. Um, but basically, that was the introduction to the relaunch in 1985, and she's holding a copy of uh, the Savage She Hulk, which is the the oh. original run. So two this, meta, two meta. This happened all the time, Michael. And then John Byrne created a narrative of kind of She Hulk as a lawyer and. It got more. It got even more meta from there, Michael, because she would stop running into supervillains and stopping them with She-Hulk strength, and she would start having legal battles with different supervillains. Her psychologist was someone called Doctor Bong, and he was a supervillain who was trying to, who was trying to manipulate her mind. Um, mm. And it goes through her battles with this guy legally, and it oh, it's bizarre, Michael. Um, and all of this is done breaking the fourth wall quite often. And John Byrne is definitely having the time of his life um, when he's writing this comic. Anytime, Ben, anytime she was doing something sexually exploitative, 
she would point out that she was doing something sexually exploitative and that she was fine with it because it was for the viewers. And that was great because it kind of gave a bit of female empowerment back to the female character Did written, by, <laughs> written by the 55-year-old uh, Canadian fellow. Ah, I see, I see. You were doing a bit. I was doing a little, I was doing a little irony, Ben. You, but Ben, yeah, it's sexually exploitative in a very tame way compared to... Uh, the boys compared to something like the boys for example yeah, yeah. so you might she might have a, a sexy exposed shoulder yeah so i mean this is john byrne just got on board i think i think it's one of those classic examples where uh, a creator is handed a title that isn't doing very well and said do what you want and just says right just just get us a run out of that will you um get you know just wrap that up there will you and so they go right well if no one's reading and do what the fuck I want. Do whatever I want. So John Byrne goes on to create this amazing thing. And Michael, it, it it's kind of a a drop in the water. Um, because what we get from there is a whole host of little meta comics. Um, and one that we've talked about on this podcast before, Michael, is 1989's Animal Man by Grant Morrison. Oh, yeah. And I think what's interesting there, Michael, is they came out in 1989. And back in the day, Michael, I would have said... Oh, yeah. Well, Grant Morrison was always a weird existential little uh, nut, you know. Yeah, he's doing magic. But I don't think he was, Michael. He used to be a fairly standard comic book writer, and then he got his hands on Animal Man and Doom Patrol, and he started experimenting. But I would argue that probably little little pushes like John Byrne's Sensational She-Hulk probably gave us the the seeds of what would later become the Coyote Gospel for Grant Morrison. So um, the Coyote Gospel is this bizarre moment where... It's it's a it's a story run by Grant Morrison in the Animal Man comic, and it's introduced to us as Grant Morrison kind of inserting himself in the story. Animal Man becomes aware that there's a a grand operator or puppet master orchestrating events in his okay. life, um, and he goes in pursuit of this person. And to spoil a comic that came out many 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 years ago, it's Grant Morrison. He finds Grant Morrison, who is illustrated like Morpheus from Sandman. Yeah, that's what Grant Morrison thinks he looks like. That's what Grant Morrison thinks he looks like. <laughs> and uh, what we get there, Michael, is uh, unfortunately for Animal Man, he's lost his family and things like that. And it, it's it's a petition by Animal Man to have his family written back into the story. Um, and, oh. Gra- and Grant Morrison won't do it. Grant Morrison is like, no, it's not very believable. Sorry. Um, it wouldn't hold a lot of water. And Animal Man is forced to kind of make this grand plea to his universal creator. It's bizarre. It's very meta, Michael. And there's a lot leading up to that, but there's no point in me depicting every single one. I recommend that you go and read it. We might do it on collecting issues at some point. Oh, that sounds delicious. Mm. The Bi-Weekly Comic Book Book Club. Yeah. Benjamin, th- there's two kind of meta-breaking, br- meta-breaking fictions where you can just either... Do something like that. Is is meeting your creator, is knowing you're a comic and meeting the creator of the comic the same as talking to the readers? It's it's not. No. It's the kind of two different strands of meta. Yeah, so we've had a we've had a few examples of that. I guess a perfect culmination of both of those, Michael, is Deadpool. Ah, uh, very good. What a segue. So uh, Deadpool now. Michael is Ryan Reynolds. I don't. I, I think it's it's unavoidable. It, that's who the character was. But in 1991, when he was introduced, Michael, he wasn't anything like the Deadpool we have today. 
he was a nutty mercenary, but he was he wasn't breaking any walls. He wasn't breaking any walls, and he wasn't particularly funny. He was more just wacky and homicidal. It was it was a, mm. it was a little bit different to what we've we've come to know, and many people have come to love today. But where that kind of changed for Deadpool was when he got his own series, and that was in 1994. I'm just checking that now, Michael. Uh, oh no! I was stifling a sneeze, Ben. You were stifling a sneeze. You nailed it. Thank you. Was it 1994? Uh, I'm looking at it here. This is going to wreck me now. I was so Benjamin, close. I'll edit some of this out. Uh, oh, excellent. It was 1994. Look at me. Good research. Very Look good research. Look at me research. doing my research. Uh, good for me. So in 1994, Michael, he was handed over um, to a different creative team and they started to push. Uh, again, it's, it's a case of a failing title. You know, it, it's a case of an experiment where they're like, uh, here, take this character who's sort of popular but isn't doing very well. Uh, see what Go you on. can do with him. And what we got was Wade Wilson and the metaverse, or not the, sorry, not the metaverse, the multiverse. Uh, Wade Wilson becomes a mercenary for a strange interdimensional police force. All right. Um, and he's hired because of his amazing healing factor. And he goes on to break the fourth wall relentlessly, Michael. Uh, and it's kind of more like watching an episode of Animaniacs or Freakazoid, uh, which we'll talk about in a second. And it's, mm. kind of, it's kind of like watching an episode of that. It's a very colourful comic. It's very enjoyable. It's not very dark at all. Um, and I suppose that kind of anarchic energy comes back in later runs. But one of the things that we've seen Deadpool do is meet his creators. There's a, I guess, a cult classic, Michael, called Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe. Yes, go on. Yeah, and what happens there is Deadpool becomes aware that he's a comic book um, and so goes about destroying everything because he's had quite a hard life being experimented on. He snaps, basically, and decides to oh. eliminate absolutely everybody, as Cher would say. Hmm. Uh, and that then leads to him destroying the Marvel Universe and realizing that there's more to be done. So he actually emerges from the comic and murders his creative team. Oh, very good. They probably deserved it. Did he get Rob Liefeld? Uh, I think he got Rob. I can't remember. I don't. Oh, I, I read good. it a long time ago. Benjamin, the late 80s, early 90s were a kind of golden era of characters with terrifying, reality-bending, metafictional powers. Yes, a Proteus. Including, yeah, exactly, Ben. Including, but not limited to my personal favourite, Zack from Saved by the Bell. Oh, yeah, Michael. Oh, well, what an interesting... <laughs> uh, Michael, you've thrown me a curveball that I love. Yeah, Benjamin, played by America's favourite surprising half-Asian, uh, Mark Paul Gosler. Mark um, Paul Gosler. Yeah, um... Zach from Saved by the Bell, Ben, do you remember how he was always breaking the fourth wall? He was always breaking the fourth wall and he could stop time. He could stop time, Ben. Yeah. <laughs> not, not like stop time and speak to the camera and then like unfreeze time and go back. He could actually stop time, move out of a situation, move people around. And like he was, he was more powerful than the Flash, Ben. Arguably. Oh, by the way, Michael. Yes. Did you hear about us from Miller this week? What's Ezra Miller up to? This? He's kidnapped a teenager and authorities can't find him. I don't think Ezra Miller uses the pronoun he, Ben, but go on anyway. They've kidnapped a teenager yes. and the authorities can't find them. Oh, well, look, get rid of Ezra Miller. That's what I'm saying. That's but not also what you get said Ezra last Miller. week, sir. I said get Ezra Miller some help. <laughs> well, now he needs a padded cell. 
And hopefully yeah. that young one is found. But Jesus Christ. I, I mean, he's still going to get his Flash movie because Warner Brothers aren't going to touch him. But, you know. Speaking of Ezra Miller, Ben. Um, yeah, Zach Morris, terrifying. And all he <laughs> used his powers for, Ben, was getting with Kelly Kapowski. That was it. That was all he did. Kelly Kapowski. <laughs> that was it. Luckily, he was a benign idiot. Th- thankfully, he- a benign demigod moron. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, Ben John, which was uh, popular at the time. Yeah, but that's it, it's a bizarre moment of power. Michael, you gave me another very good instance of a, a probably a more live action version of the fourth wall breaking, which was Fleabag. Oh, Benjamin, look, listen. Um, have you ever seen Fleabag? I have. I've seen the whole thing. Oh, ben, very good. It's but phenomenal. I've kind of slept on it. But um, Fleabag has the best fourth wall breaking it's it's an evolution of the fourth wall breaking in the things we've been talking about so far fourth wall breaking itself was the novelty yes and the the first couple of see there aren't that many episodes of Fleabag but the first chunk of Fleabag yeah her breaking the fourth wall constantly yes is a bit of a novelty yeah and it's good because she's good at it she's good at witty asides and Turning to the camera and joking. That's essentially what it is, Michael. It's a theatrical witty aside. It's a theatrical... Exactly, Ben. But where it really hits a stride and where it really elevates Ben, it elevates the fourth wall break, is when she meets the sexy priest. Yeah, hot priest. Hot priest. That's That's affectionately what he's he's known as. (laughs) Yeah, hot priest. Played by a noted Irishman, Andrew... It's not Maxwell. It's Andrew Scott. Andrew Scott, yeah. Notice Irishman Andrew Scott, Ben. And they have the single best breaking the fourth wall scene in history. Go on. Do you remember it? There's, there are, there were a few. Is it where he catches her? Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It is absolutely incredible, Ben. So they're in a cafe and uh, she she says something like, he, he tur- she turns to the camera and says, he is quite annoying, isn't he? And he says, what's, what's that? What are you doing <laughs> yeah. there? And she goes, what do you mean? And he goes, what are you doing there? You seem to disappear for a minute. And then she looks to the camera one more time yeah. to say something. And he interjects himself between her and us, the listener, yeah. and goes, ah! <laughs> and it's a half a second moment. But it's one of the most shocking things that has ever been on television. It's very jarring because you've become so safe in that. It's 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 kind of genius. You feel a real intimacy between yourself and Fleabag because of those asides. We feel like we're drawn into a world. And then Andrew Scott's hot priest just goes, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And like, ah! It's like getting caught. It's like getting caught doing something. And you're just like, I, 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 I will say, Michael, there was a little part of me that was delighted it was an Irishman because I, I, I did think when I was watching it, I was like, it would be the case where a bunch of, you know, English artists and well-to-do people thought they were safe and an Irishman, here, what's this shit? What's this? What's this? What's, what's this going on here? Um, it, you're absolutely right. It's this amazing moment where the character has felt safe in their fourth wall breaking it's their intimacy it's their private thoughts and stuff um, yeah. and they can be quite snide in Fleabag she uses them as a coping mechanism oh, yeah, she's real she's very unpleasant they're her escape from reality a lot of the time you know hmm. um, and it's where she she can freely kind of administer her awful opinion about things uh, a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. the time and I think one of the genius things is she loses that when she deals with Andrew Scott. She's like, oh, f- 
it's gone and it happens a few times and from that point on the meta narrative of the the story breaks down because later on there's a fox and um, fo- i think the fox is before that it uh okay it could be before or after but it's the hint that something is breaking down in fleabag's narrative because andrew scott is terrified of foxes the hot priest is terrified of foxes mm. and it becomes a recurring symbol in the narrative and the fox keeps following andrew scott around without him being aware of it at all um it's really interesting i, I could be i could have been misreading it ben but i thought he was imagining the fox and go on the the fact that she sees it later she's the only one else who sees it and that's her version of that for him oh so it's his meta narrative being interrupted by by her oh, so i love she, it he he That's can very see good. her breaking the fourth wall and she can see his fox. Ah. She can see this imaginary fox that's haunted him all his life. Michael, do you want to just turn this into a fleabag podcast? Let's just do a fleabag podcast. It's not very long, Ben. So Again, not really aimed good. at us as well. We probably wouldn't get no. much of an audience. But, uh, really not aimed at us, but uh, brilliant. One of the best fourth wall breaking <laughs> meta. You And then, Ben, do you, do you've seen the ending, obviously. Yes. wanting to get too much into spoilers, but this is going to be a big spoiler for, uh, for fleabag. But... Um, it ends by her saying goodbye to the fourth wall. Yeah, she gives up. She's like, ah, nah, I'll go on the, I'll get on the, I'll hop, I'll hop on the bus myself there. She and, doesn't say in that voice, obviously. But she breaks she's up with the fourth wall. She, she's just mm, like, I don't yeah, need yeah. you anymore. The, the really interesting thing, Michael, is for the first time, the camera angle switches at that last moment and the camera's left behind. So the camera yeah, always yeah. follows uh, Fleabag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when Very she good. walks away from it, it just stays stuck in place. And you're just like, What? One of the best. She, I mean, it's no Zach from Saved by the Bell, but one of the best uh, uses. It's of pretty darn good, breaking. though. Uh, it's, it's it's in the storytelling, Ben. It's it's genius. Ah, very clever. Ah, uh, Michael, Michael, come here to me. What is it? What do you think the listeners' favorite parts of metafiction are? Hmm. Hmm. Well, it's hard for me to tell, Ben, because I I avoid listening to this. Well, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, what is your favorite part of? Uh, you've, you've favorite bits of meta, a little bit, a little bit, not not entirely. Uh, what is your favorite uh, little meta moments in TV, movies, a pop culture, or uh, what, whatever you're having yourself? What are you having yourself? What are you having yourself? Let us know in a couple of different places. You can find us on the Instagrams. At, oh no, you can find us on the interwebs. No, you can find us on the interwebs. Oh, there's my dog. Oh, there's your dog. Get up here, dog, and say hello to us. <laughs> She's having a little grill. <laughs> uh, Bowie is interrupting the fourth wall. Um, she doesn't. Uh, she doesn't like when you make a mess of the outro. Babe. <laughs> you can find us on the interwebs at www.shomrabiog.com. S e o m r a b e a g dot com. It means tiny room in Irish. You can find us on Instagram at Shulukshulisten Podcast. It means Shulukshulisten in English. It does. You can find us on Twitter at Shulisten. Okay, are we back on Twitter now? We're back on Twitter now, Michael, and you should probably get in touch with us there. Twitter's my newfound joy, and uh, you can get in touch with me there, and I'll probably talk to you. It'll be good. Oh, um, no, but, full of cesspools of scum and villainy. But the best, yes, it is a Moz Eisley. Uh, the best place, Michael, to get in touch with yourself or myself is to get up on that yes. Discord, baby. Hop up on it. Yeah, do it. Um, join us uh, on this Wednesday where we're taking a look at the comic Destroyer on our other podcast at Collecting Issues, the bi-weekly comic book book club. Did you just throw an at in front of it there? I did, yeah. I shouldn't have done that. Sorry. <laughs> You've gone Twitter mad. I've gone Twitter mad. Twitter oh, mad, I tell you. The bi-weekly comic book book club. Yes. So there you go, ladies All and right. gentlemen. Bye-bye.
See you on Wednesday or next week.